Thank you for listening to the sermon audio podcast from Greenwood Baptist Church in Weatherford, Texas. Now here's a message from our senior pastor, Brian Bond. All right, how's everybody doing today? If you don't mind, turn your Bibles to Luke chapter 13. That's where we're going to be. And uh, we're going to read a story here. And we're going to see how one woman, her choices through the years had a a long-term effect, not in her life, but I'm certain in the lives of those that are around her. So we're going to read first uh, Luke chapter 13, and we're going to read, um, I'm going to pull a little surprise on the guys here, but we're going to read through verse 16, okay? And so if it, it may not all be up there, my fault totally, not theirs, but if you'd stand please in honor of the reading of God's word. One Sabbath day, as Jesus was teaching in a synagogue, he saw a woman who had been crippled by an evil spirit. She had been bent double for 18 years and was unable to stand up straight. When Jesus saw her, he called her over and said, Dear woman, you are healed of your sickness. Then he touched her, and instantly she could stand straight. How she praised God. But the leader in charge of the synagogue was indignant that Jesus had healed her on the Sabbath day. There are six days of the week for working, he said to the crowd. Come on, come on those days to be healed, not on the Sabbath. But the Lord replied, you hypocrites, each of you works on the Sabbath day. Don't you untie your ox or your donkey from its stall on the Sabbath and lead it out for water? This dear woman, a daughter of Abraham, has been held in bondage by Satan for 18 years. Isn't it right that she be released even on the Sabbath? Thank you. You may be seated. You know, there there are a couple things, you know, the... that really struck me about this passage that I think um, several of them that can have long-term effects on our lives and on our ability to, to live for Christ and to share that for, with other people. And, and the first thing that, that really amazes me is that this woman's in the synagogue. You know, I, I want you to, to think for just a minute. It says that she's been um, uh, crippled by an evil spirit, bent double, you know, her, she could not straighten her back for 18 years. And how easy would it have been to get bitter? And, and, and you would think this is a woman who is dedicated to the Lord, that she had to have asked for healing during those 18 years. And yet she continues to worship God. She continues to show up. She continues to come. And, you know, when, when you think about it, and I'm not... Um, I know this may seem like I'm, and maybe I am a little bit, exercising the Baptist spiritual guilt, gift of guilt. But think for a minute about some of the excuses we use not to go to church. And then compare it with a woman who, who I mean, bent double. I, the fact that people would look at her, and even in, in the times of, of Jesus, if people saw someone like that, they would assume many of them that that was caused by some sin in her life, not just a physical malady, and certainly probably wouldn't have thought that it was as a result of the work of the evil one. And so she would have had that as an excuse. Um, I mean, think of some of the ones we use. Well, you know, and I get it. There's different reasons. Some of us are in different places in health, and, and there's times we shouldn't be here. You know, I can remember early on in my, uh, when I was here, um, I, I came and preached, and I, I shouldn't have. 
Um, but at the time, I wasn't really sure if I had somebody that could take my place. But what, what ended up happening, I mean, I was really sick at my stomach and, and had some kind of virus or whatever. And I, I remember telling John, hey, if I go out that door, I'm going out there to throw up. So you need to get up here and say something until I can get back out here. And looking back on it now, I'm like, well, that was really stupid. And that put them in a bad spot. And so now I wouldn't do something like that unless there was like an emergency or whatever. So there's times we ought not be here. And, you know, and I don't want to see you dragging yourself in here. Oh, man, I'm so sick. We don't want you getting the rest of us sick. I get it. But, you know, sometimes we use excuses like, well, you know, I, I saw it might rain. <laughs> we should probably stay home because we could get wet. Now, I'm just going to tell you, we got to drop off where you could drop people off, it's covered. And only one of you'd have to get wet. And, and I'm going to give you a little spiritual advice that Jesus probably told him back then. Buy an umbrella. <laughs> and then walk up here or get one of them cars. I mean, we, we use all kinds of excuses why not to go to church. And, and I, some of them are valid. I get that. I'm not saying you got to be here every single Sunday. But you know what? Here's the one thing. In 18 years, this woman came to the synagogue. What if she had missed this Sabbath day? What if she'd been, not been there this day? What if she'd said before, you know, I'm sick of this. I've asked God. He's not healing me. I'm not going. And she would have missed meeting the healer himself. And so she was diligent. She continued to, to come and to worship God, even though it didn't seem like things were going well. And we're going to talk about that a little bit more. And the second thing that, that really gets me from this is just those two words. As Jesus was teaching in a synagogue, he saw a woman who'd been crippled by an evil spirit. You know, that's one of the things that I, that I want you to know. No matter, I mean, there, all of us, everybody in here is going through something in life. It may be something you've gone through for a long time. Maybe it's something to do with your health. Maybe it's relationships. Maybe it's, who knows what it is. But we've, we, we're all going through something. And, and what I want you to know is you're, you're seen. God sees. You know, as a matter of fact, in the Old Testament, your name really meant something. I mean, it, it, you know, now I'm not saying this, you know, names don't mean anything, but people just make up words for names now. And, you know, you, you see all kinds of names. And, and that's cool. You can do whatever you want to do. But back in the Old Testament days, your name was supposed to, to have something to do about who you were or who you were going to be. And, and it was important. And so when Moses asked God, you know, what, who should I tell them sent me? He wasn't just asking, hey, give me, give me just a, a nickname or something that I can tell them so they can call you by that. He knew he was wanting to know who, you, who are you, God? Who are you? You know, there's a passage of scripture in Genesis 16, 7 through 13, and, and it's uh, Hagar has um, been kicked out of Abraham's home by Sarah, or, or she's been mistreated and, and kind of pushed to the edge. And she just leaves. She's sick of it, and she leaves. You know, you ever had those moments where you just get so sick, you know, man, I got, I got to go. And it says in verse 7, after she left, she went to a, a place in the wilderness. The angel of the Lord found Hagar beside a spring of water in the wilderness along the road to Shur. 
The angel said to her, Hagar, Sarai's servant, where have you come from and where are you going? And she says, I'm running away from my mistress, Sarai. She replied, the angel of the Lord said to her, return to your mistress and submit to her authority. Then he added, I will give you more descendants than you can count. And the angel also said, you are now pregnant and will give birth to a son. You are to name him Ishmael, which means God hears. For the Lord has he heard your cry of distress. This son of yours will be a wild man, as untamed as a wild donkey. He will raise his fist against everyone, and everyone will be against him. Yes, he will live in open hostility against all his relatives. Thereafter, Hagar used another name to refer to the Lord who had spoken to her. She said, you are the God who sees me. You are the God who sees me. And so now that has become one of the names of God. You know, that, that's the thing is when Moses told, asked God, what, what do I call you? His response was, it was really, you can't define me. He said, I am that I am. I mean, can you imagine? Hey, this God, his, he's named I am that I am. It told me this. Like, what? But over the course of the Old Testament and the New, we've seen so many names of God, the Jehovah Jireh, the Lord, our healer. You know, the Lord who provides, that's one of his names. The Lord, our banner, Jehovah Nisi. El Roi, the God who sees. And see, that's, that's the thing is we think, man, does God even know But God sees? Because that's who he is. That's what he does. And so whatever it is that you're suffering through, whatever it is that, that your difficulties are, he sees. And you know, sometimes we get to thinking, well, does you know, I know God sees, but maybe this is my fault, the thing that I'm in. Maybe it, it, it's something that's happened because of my sin. You know, th those are the kind of things that haunt us sometimes. We commit a sin, and, and then we try to do right afterwards, but it's like the shadow of that thing, it follows us, and it keeps bearing bad fruit. It says in Psalm 38, 1 through 6, O Lord, don't rebuke me in your anger or discipline me in your rage. Your arrows have struck deep and your blows are crushing me. Because of your anger, my whole body is sick. My health is broken because of my sins. My guilt overwhelms me. It is a burden too heavy to bear. My wounds fester and stink because of all my foolish sins. I am bent over and racked with pain. All day long, I walk around filled with grief. Now, there's two parts to that. When we sin, God does reprove and discipline us. That's part of it. The hand of God sometimes can be on us. And then the other part is the guilt of sin. The guilt of sin follows us. Most of us, if we were sitting down and we were being honest, and, and, and somebody said, what is one thing if you could go back and change, you, you would change? Or maybe a couple things. And, and one of those would be something that we did that we wish we wouldn't, wouldn't have done. Because that's, that's hard to get past is the guilt of past sins. And, and, and so sometimes we're like, you know, do I really have the right to ask God? We're going to get to that in a moment. But I also want you to remember in Hebrews chapter 12, verses 5 through 7, have you forgotten the encouraging words God spoke to you as his children? 
He said, my child, don't make light of the Lord's discipline and don't give up when he corrects you. So listen, if, you're, if it's the guilt of past sins that, is, that is, seems to be dogging you, understand something. God forgave those sins. And we, we have the ability as believers to walk in newness of life. And so don't allow that to drag you down. Now, for some of us, maybe we are under God's disciplining hand. And even though that's not fun, the Bible says, look, don't give up when he corrects you. For the Lord disciplines those he loves and punishes each one he accepts as his child. As you endure the divine discipline, remember that God is treating you as his own children. Whoever heard of a child who is never disciplined by its father? Now, it's in our nature to get away from discipline. When God disciplines us, it's in our nature. You know, I mean, you've, there's a little dance that I've done with all my children, and I bet y'all have too. And that's when you got them by the hand, you're fixing to spank them, and they're like dancing around. You're going in a circle trying to get to them because they're trying to get away from it. It's like a little dance. And then you finally get it. Get, and then sometimes they, sometimes they beat you, and sometimes you, you, know, you, you do get a lick or two in, but it ain't much because they're moving and won't sit still. Now, when they get old enough, if you don't stand still, it's going to be twice the licks. That's the worst part, when you get old enough to understand that. And so, there's, but there's this desire in us to get away from the discipline of God. And you know what? This woman didn't know why she was suffering, why she was crippled. And it, it may have crossed her mind. She might have heard these, some verses out of the, that I read there at the beginning out of Psalm 38 and thought, man, maybe this is because of my sin, because that would have been a, a conventional way to think then. But you know what? If she thought that, guess what she didn't do? She didn't run away from God's discipline. So that's what she thought. She kept going. And she didn't let it discourage her. You see the... There's, there's a good side to God's discipline. It, it, it doesn't feel good at the time, but when God's disciplining you, here's something you know. He's got something for you in front of you, and he's trying to correct you so that he can get you to that. Maybe it's something he wants to do in you. Maybe it's something he wants to do for you, but he's going to discipline you to get you back on the right track. And so don't resist the discipline of God. The second thing, I'm gonna go through four things, four, four things that we have to endure oftentimes here on this earth. One of them is, is the consequences of sin. There are natural consequences to some of those things that we do in life. And then there's also God's discipline that comes as a result. The second thing is, is just sorrow. You know, it, it's a... Nobody likes to talk about it, but we're all going to experience sorrow. We're going to lose relationships with people that as we continue on to follow the Lord and they choose to go a different direction, it's going to cause a divide in our relationship. There, there, are, there are people that we love that are going to pass away, that are going to die. You can't escape that here on this earth. 
You just can't. You know, there are things that, that you have to deal with. Maybe it's as your parents are getting older, or maybe there's something going on in your family. There's just sickness that comes. And it says in Psalm 42, 5 through 6, why am I discouraged? Why is my heart so sad? And sometimes, you know what? We're, we're, we experience sorrow without really just knowing, having a specific reason. If you don't look around the world or, or the way our country is or the way our culture's headed and at times just grieve and feel sorry and, and experience sorrow over it, then you're not really looking. And that's part of life. But then the psalmist says, I will put my hope in God. I will praise him again, my Savior and my God. Now I am deeply discouraged, but I will remember you, even from distant Mount Hermon, the source of the Jordan, from the land of Mount Mazar. You know, when we're just feeling down about life in general, you know, what's the purpose? What, what, what? Remember to put your hope in God. And remember what he said? I will praise God. I will remember him. I will put my hope in him. I will praise him again to continue to follow after God. Jesus told us, I've told you all this so you may have peace in me. Here on earth you will have many trials and sorrows. We're going to experience those because we live in a fallen world. We live in a world where people die. We live in a world where people do unspeakable things. We live in a world where sin is rampant. We live in a, we're, we're not, as much as people want to tell you because we've invented this thing or we've invented that thing, as a people, we're not evolving, we're devolving. If things are not getting better, they're getting worse. But for a believer, we look, we're able to look beyond that and go, you know what? I'm putting my hope in God because God said there's going to come a day when all these things are going to be made right. He's going to return. All the world, everyone on this earth who's ever lived on this earth, whether they want to or not, their knee is going to bow and their tongue is going to confess Jesus Christ as Lord. And he is going to right all wrongs. And so we put our hope in that. And not what we see around us. Not, oh, you know what, if we could just get this, if we could get that, if we could stop people from doing this, then everything would be great. Our job is to share the gospel, is to stand in God's truth, to speak truth and love, and to put our hope in him. If you're putting your hope if, in, in whatever, some, some man, if you're putting your hope thinking, well, if this guy gets elected next time, everything's going to be cool, you're going to be disappointed. I don't care who it is. I don't care if George Washington came back to life and we elected him president, he's going to disappoint you too. Because that's what happens when you put your hopes for the future in people. You put your hopes in God. This woman was putting her hope in God. Even though she was crippled up, probably couldn't work. I mean, it would affect her. Can you imagine? There's, I can't imagine much that would be worse than to be bent over double and not be able to stand up. I mean, I don't even know how she drove to church. It would have been tough. That was a joke, people. There were no cars back then. Y'all know that? 
Man, when you got to explain them, either they're not very good jokes or your audience is a little slow. I don't know which one. I'll let y'all pick. <laughs> so here's the deal. She kept going no matter what. She kept showing up. Now, the next thing is, is, is their suffering. And she was suffering. We're going to experience suffering in this world. You know, the, the bodies that we were that we were given to live here on this earth, they're, they're supposed to be temporary dwellings. They're not made to be eternal. And we're all affected by sin. That's why we get sick. That's why we have allergies. That's why things happen. And so there, there are going to be times in life you're going to suffer. You may suffer from things that other people do. There's going to be suffering. Psalm 44, 23 through 25 Wake up, O Lord. Why do you sleep? Get up. Do not reject us forever. Why do you look the other way? Why do you ignore our suffering and oppression? We collapse in the dust, lying face down in the dirt. And you know what? When you're in the middle of suffering, it feels that way sometimes, doesn't it? You're like, God, why aren't you doing something? Why aren't you doing something? And 18 years seems like a long time to suffer, doesn't it? Colossians 1, 11 through 12, we also pray that you will be strengthened with all his glorious power so you will have all the endurance and patience you need. May you be filled with joy, always thanking the Father. He has enabled you to share in the inheritance that belongs to his people who live in the light. They're praying that they'll be strengthened and they'll have endurance. Endurance, you know, now we think about it in terms of, hey, I can run a long way. But endurance means to endure difficult things. It's one of the things that, that is a fruit of the Spirit. When we're relying on God, when we're trusting in Him, when we're not overcome by our circumstances or what's going on in life, we can endure. We endure. We keep going. We keep trusting God. We keep praising Him. Now there's another one, and this one is a little more, I have questions about it, honestly. And that's one of the things that he said in the original verse, which is kind of hard to get your mind around, is that she'd been, she was crippled by an evil spirit. So I don't know about you, but I'm kind of like, well, what does that mean? So does that mean maybe my physical maladies are because of an evil spirit? Now, there was, there, this is the only, there's not a single instance in the New Testament of a believer being crippled or whatever by an evil spirit. Now, unless she was a believer, which it doesn't say that, um, she was in the synagogue. As far as we know, she had not trusted Christ as her Savior at this point. So we're assuming that she loved God, but she hadn't heard probably about Jesus. And obviously she didn't trust him as Savior 18 years before. But when you see that verse, I, it, it, can, it can be disturbing to think about that. And there are instances where Jesus says this is because of an evil spirit. People are afflicted physically as a result of it. Now, one of the things I want to tell you up front is, and I, I think this is clear in Scripture, a believer cannot be possessed by an evil spirit. Okay? You belong to God's. You are his. Your soul belongs to him. You cannot be possessed. So 
Forget all the movies, okay? That, you know, evil, you can't be possessed by an evil spirit. You're possessed by God. But you can be afflicted by an evil spirit or, or oppressed. And there can be resistance that comes from the evil one. Uh, Satan cannot make you do anything. And one of the things we do know, and, and how can, can he make us sick? Can he do things like that? I'm not 100% sure, but I do know that God has created boundaries that he cannot cross. When Job, and Job was physically afflicted by Satan. Uh, I'm going to tell you right now, you want to get into some theological stuff, go read that book. Come back and tell me you understand it all. Because I don't. I got, I got questions like crazy about that book. But anyway, it's God's word. But one of the things we know is that God said, hey, you can do this, but you can't go past this point. And so whatever happens to you, whatever might happen to us, it, it, it can't happen unless it happens through God's permissive will. In other words, he allows it. It's not like he was caught off guard. Satan can't do anything that God does not give him the authority to do here on this earth. He has authority over earth at this time. Okay? He'll be eventually cast into hell. And so here's the deal. Stop worrying about what Satan can do to you and trust God's provision over you. Okay? And uh, yeah, there are things. One of the things I think we, we have to be careful about is there's two extremes. Number one is we don't see Satan anywhere. And number two, there are people that see him behind every rock. I lost my car keys. Satan's hid my car keys. I'm going to pray against Satan that I find my car keys. Just a wild guess here, they're probably the last place you left them. You know, I mean, 99% of the time when we, or maybe even 100, when we find something we've lost, we're like, oh, now I remember. And so people blame him for everything. But the truth is somewhere in between there. The enemy is active. He is alert. It says in 1 Peter 5, 8 through 9, stay alert. Watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Here's what we're to do. Stand firm against him and be strong in your faith. Remember that your family of believers all over the world is going through the same kind of suffering you are. So, listen, we need to be alert and watch out for the evil one and be prepared to resist him, but we don't have to live in fear of him. Okay? Christ has already conquered sin, death, Satan, all of it. Okay? And, and we're going to see the day where, you know, it's just like a, in the old times, a king might be given lands, and then he would go. You know why one of the greatest... One of the greatest things that happened it was when um, the United States landed on the moon. And you know why that was such a big deal for uh, between us and Russia? Because, you know, and yes, they landed on the moon. Really. It didn't happen in a film studio. They actually did it. I believe that. If you choose not to, we can be friends, but I ain't going to discuss all that with you. So anyhow... I, they land on, the reason it was such a big deal was whoever planted their flag there was going to have control in, to a degree over everything that happened in space. And so that's why it was so important. And so here's the deal. There's, it, it's been declared, it was our intention, we're going to get that. And we did. But 
the flag wasn't planted until later on. And so God's inheritance is true. He's already told us he's going to inherit all this, but he's going to come and plant his flag when he returns again, when Christ returns again. He's coming with his armies, and then he's going to take control of everything. Evil's going to be cast out. Everything that is the, 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 the consequences of sin that are all over the world, they're going to be made right. Okay? And so we live with the hope of that inheritance. And this woman lived with that hope, some way or another. She trusted God, even though she went through 18 years of just flat-out physical suffering. You know, the, the one thing I, I know enough about with the human body is when something, one part is messed up, it ain't long before it affects all kinds of things. Isn't that right? I mean, if you got a bad leg and you're, you're limp, limping on that leg for a while, after a while, this one starts hurting because you're using it differently. And there's, so there were all kinds of things that went around and along with that suffering. But she got up and went to the synagogue and worshiped God. And so there are those four things we talked about that can bring difficulties in life are our sin. Sometimes the sins of others can do the same thing. There is sorrow. That's just the result of living in a fallen world. We're going to experience difficult times here. There are going to be lost people who don't understand us. There are going to be persecutions. There are going to be all kinds of things. We're going to lose people. We're going to lose relationships. There are going to be conflicts. That's just living in this world. There's suffering that comes. Some of it comes, we don't know why. Some of it comes because God allows it. And then there's the works of the enemy. And yeah, the enemy is at work. You know, there, there are times that, that we, you know, you, you can see it if you recognize it. You can see, because what, what does he do? He creates chaos and disorder. You know, there, are there times, listen, we all got to make our own choices, but when your family's in a state of turmoil over a period of time, yeah, y'all had a choice in that, but that may be Satan sowing things in, in your family. You know, you ever just, you, you're just aggravated, you don't really know why, and you take it out on somebody else, and then it just kind of spreads? That oftentimes is the work of the enemy. Now, once again, we got to take responsibility because he can't make us be irritable. He can't make us snap at people. But he can certainly tempt us and lead us if we allow him. We got to make a choice. You know, one of the things I, I want us to see here is the last part of that passage of Scripture because it's interesting to me, you know, you'd think when Jesus healed this woman who'd been under affliction for 18 years that everybody would have celebrated, but that's not the case. The leader of the synagogue, now he didn't have the courage to rebuke Jesus, so what did he do? He rebuked all the people. And he, he, he lectures the congregation. The leader in charge of the synagogue was indignant that Jesus had healed her on the Sabbath day. There are six days of the week for working, he said to the crowd. Come on those days to be healed, not, not on the Sabbath. So he gets on to them. Y'all shouldn't have come to him. You couldn't, shouldn't have allowed him to be healed. And Jesus rebuked him. Now, 
Here's, here's the thing that I want us to get from this. And this is one of those ripple effect things. How you deal with difficulties in life is going to have more impact on the people around you that you love and the people that are coming after you than how you handle good times in life. How you handle difficulties is going to teach more to those around you and those that you love than how you handle the good stuff. And so now you'll, they'll learn from that too. But it's important that we learn how to deal with those things and go forward. And then here's another part. Now, the Bible does say not to work on the Sabbath. But God made allowances for him to feed animals on the Sabbath day. And so Jesus said, you know, you're, you're saying it's all right to take care of an animal so that they won't experience the pain of being hungry and suffer. But you don't think it's okay to heal this woman? See, here's the deal. God gave him something, and Jesus even made it clear. The Sabbath was created for man, not man for the Sabbath. The Sabbath was God's gift to us, that there would be a day of rest where we could worship and learn to love him. But here's what happened is the, the Pharisees were like, they spent years arguing over what would constitute his work and what didn't. I mean, it was really ridiculous. Like they would say it was okay to pick up a bottle of water and take a drink. See, I illustrated that for y'all by doing it right in front of you. I don't know if you caught that. It, that was okay, but if I like poured a Mountain Dew in here, that would be work. That's how fine they got down to it. And here's one of the things that I believe is going to be a big danger for us and is going to have a ripple effect on our witness as we go forward is being careful that we don't start drawing lines where the Bible hasn't drawn lines. Now, there are certain things that are clearly defined as sin. And it's important that we stand by that. It's important that we preach it. It's important that we talk about it. But here's the deal. There, there are... We have to be careful also that just because God has convicted us of something or just because we've gone, you know what, here's a principle in the Bible and, and I'm going to look at it, how it applies to this. And I think this is the best way to go. I think it's the right way that we don't start saying, hey, that principle, if you don't agree with me on it, then you're not saved or you're, I'm going to have to, I'm not having anything to do with you anymore. In other words, what I'm saying is uh, we don't need to create extra lines that make it harder for people to come to Christ. I mean, this woman needed to be healed. And if you'd left it up to, to the leaders or the leader, there's only one of them named in this place, she wouldn't have been healed. And so we got to be careful. And, and there's a word that goes along with that, and the word is legalism. Be careful not to drift into legalism. Okay? Stand truth for, the, for God's word. But don't make something just because God may have convicted you, hey, you don't need to eat this kind of food or you don't need to do this or whatever. That doesn't mean that everybody else has to do it your way. Be careful. And so we can't create lines that aren't lines. Now, there are principles that you can apply to things, okay? And we should apply biblical principles. And we should look to do things that are pleasing to God. But we also have to understand, Paul even said, hey, you know what, there, there's others that, that eat meat, you know, that was offered to idols without conscience. Leave them alone. 
They're new in their faith. Don't go out and impose extra things on them. You know, there, there are people that come here sometimes that wear stuff that I probably would say, hey, I probably wouldn't wear that. I mean, we're pretty lax on that anyway. But if they're a visitor, a lost person, I, I don't go up to them and say, hey, go come back when you, you know, got something else. Don't, we don't do that. Now, there might be an extreme case we had to say something. Like, hey, we got a T-shirt for you. You know, whatever. But here's the deal. We don't make extra lines or make it hard for people to come here. That's one of the reasons why we don't wear suits and ties. Is because it can feel like a hindrance. One of the things you used to hear all the time, well, I don't, I don't have clothes to go to church. I don't have a suit. And so, we're, it's, now that's not as much now because people rarely wear suits anymore. But we can just say, well, that's cool. We don't wear them either. Come on. You want to wear a suit? Wear a suit. We don't care. But we don't put up extra obstacles for people to come to church or to hear the gospel or to know Christ. And so be careful. You know, you may really believe in your political stance. And I get that and you're passionate about it. But be careful about saying that anybody that doesn't believe the way you do or back the guy you back it doesn't know Jesus, obviously, or they would. I'd be really careful about that. Now, are there principles that we can apply? Sure. But that, it's not okay to say, well, then you're lost. You know, and, and it's not okay to say, well, you can't be a part of this. Or you can't do that. So you may feel strongly about it. And you know what? I might agree with you. And you might be 100% right. But we're not going to make that a line that people can't cross to get to Christ. Hey, you're welcome to come here whether you're Republican, Libertarian, or Democrat. I don't care. We want them to come to church. We want them to hear about Christ. We'll flip them over after they're saved. I'm, <laughs> I'm just joking. I was just, I, you know, I was just joking. We will, but I was just joking. No, anyway. <laughs> so be, be careful not to add things to people. And, and one of the and it's a difficult thing. You know what? Here's the deal. The way Jesus reached out to and loved lost people was very controversial during his time. And he got lots of criticism for it. And, and there's, a, there's some very fine lines about crossing the line and participating or, or saying something's okay when it's not. We got to be careful not to do that. But we still got to love lost people. And we may not always agree exactly on the best way to do that. And I'll give you the best advice that I can from the Word of God. But I'm probably going to tell you, you know what, then, then you got to decide. Unless there's a clear violation of Scripture. We need to learn how to, how to give some freedom to people. And, and guess what? Man, people criticize Jesus for healing people. Can you imagine? They criticize him for who he had dinner with. But here's one of the things that I, you know, particularly when you're dealing with lost people, there was a, we used to sing, how many of y'all used to sing a song about Zacchaeus? Zacchaeus was a wee little, which I was probably not politically correct anymore, but that's what they called him, a wee little man, because he was short. And he came out because there was this huge crowd around Jesus, and he wanted to see him. So he climbs up in a tree, and Jesus is walking by, and he looks up and says, Zacchaeus, come down, because I'm going to your house today. And, and, and here's the deal. That was a major deal. You, as, as a Jew, you didn't go in the house of a Gentile, much less what Zacchaeus was, which it says he was a notorious sinner. 
And Jesus said, come down here. I'm going to your house. And later on, while they're at the house, guess what? Zacchaeus stands up and repents of all his sin. He says, you know what? Anybody that I've cheated, I'm going to pay him back double. I'm, I'm going to go back and fix everything that I've done. I'm, I'm, I'm repenting of it. I'm turning away from it. But here's the deal. He didn't repent. Jesus didn't say, hey, if you'll repent, I'll come visit you. He said, I'm coming to your house. And, and that so moved Zacchaeus, his presence and, and who he was, and that he came, he picked him out of the crowd. He might have been the most notorious sinner there. And what did he do? He, he repented. And so we, would it always be a good idea to go to that house, depending on what was going on? Not always. But you know what? We, we got to be willing to go to where people are that don't know Christ. And not be looking around going, oh, well, they're, you know, they're this. I ain't having nothing to do with them. Now, is there a flip side about putting yourself in a place of temptation in certain circumstances? Absolutely. It's not an easy thing to look at. But we've got to be careful about making lines where the Bible doesn't make lines. And that can have... That, that's the deal. Legalism can do a lot of damage too. Un, being unloving towards people. Even when they're in open sin. Now we, we sometimes have to draw a line then, particularly if it's a believer. Say, so, well, you know what, I, I can't do this and I can't do that, but I want you to know I still love you. We gotta, we gotta learn how to love people. And, and it, it may be uncomfortable It'd be easier to sit back and say, ah, oh, you know what, I can't, no. It, it can be uncomfortable to love people that don't know Christ. But guess what? We're called to do that. We're called to love them. And here's the good thing. Why are we called to love them? Because he loved us. Because he loved us first. See, and that's the thing. There's not one of you in here that loved Jesus before he loved you. None of us can say that. Every single one of us can honestly say that he loved us before we ever loved him. And that's a blessing. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes, please? How do we know that he loved us before we loved him? Because God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. The Bible also says that he proved his love towards us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And so there's forgiveness in Christ. There is life in Christ. There is truth in Christ. And how do you begin that relationship with him? It's simple. A- you admit that you're a sinner and ask forgiveness of your sins. The Bible says for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But it also says that when we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous to forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness.
be, you got to believe in Jesus. Jesus, one of his names is Emmanuel, which means God with us. He was and is God. And he came for a time to take on flesh like ours. That bled, that felt pain, and walked the earth for 30 years without sin. And died on a cross in obedience so that we could be set free and forgiven. See, he who had no sin died so that we who have sinned could be forgiven. You got to believe in Jesus. He rose on the third day to prove who he is. He's king. And that brings us to the third one, is we've got to confess Jesus as Lord. When you come to faith in Christ, you come acknowledging that he is God. And that you will follow as best you can his ways from this point on. You won't be perfect at it. None of us do. You'll fail sometimes. There'll be times you don't want to do it. But when you come, you got to confess Christ as Lord. If you'd like to do that today and know that your sins are forgiven, that your guilt has been removed, and that you now belong to God, that you're in right relationship with him for, forever, for eternity. I want to lead you in a prayer of salvation. So you can repeat this after me. Just pray it in your own heart or pray it in your own words, but pray with me right now. Dear God, thank you for loving me and thank you for Jesus. God, I know I'm a sinner. Forgive me of my sins. Come into my heart and life. Cleanse me and make me yours. I believe in Jesus. I believe he is your son. And I believe he died on the cross for my sins and rose from the grave. So today, I trust Jesus as my savior and I confess him as my Lord. Now, if you're here and you prayed that prayer today and you meant it, here's what I'm going to ask you to do. Just look up at me right now so that I can pray for you and encourage you. I'm not going to ask you to stand up. You don't have to come forward. I'm just going to ask you to look up at me and keep looking until I see you. Okay. All right. Okay. Got you. Okay. All right. Now, it's important that you tell someone. If, you, if you're here with your parents, maybe you're younger, tell your parents after the service, hey, I prayed that prayer with the pastor. Or if you'd like to, you can tell us. There's a number there on the screen. You can just text to it. There's a QR code, which is also in your bulletin. And when you do that, we're going to contact you back and ask if you'd like to talk. And we'd love to talk with you and answer any questions and also talk to you about the next steps in following Jesus. And we can do that on the phone or we can do it face to face. We're not going to ask anything from you. We're not going to put you on any list. We would just love to help you and encourage you in your new walk with Christ. And so what I'd like to do right now is to pray for you. So let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for your goodness and your mercy and your love. And Father, we pray that God, you would use us, Lord, to reach and to reach out to those who don't know you. Father, I pray for those that made a decision today to trust Christ. 
that God, you would continue, Lord, to lead them and speak to them. And Father, thank you for allowing us to be a part of their spiritual journey. And we pray encouragement and blessings upon them. And we pray and we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Sermon Audio Podcast from Greenwood Baptist Church in Weatherford, Texas. You can find links to topics and scriptures discussed in this episode by looking at the show notes. You can find more information online at greenwood.church. If you have any questions or comments, please send an email to info at greenwoodbc.com.